Welcome to the Grant Writing and Funding Podcast, where it's all about, you guessed it, grant writing and funding made easy so you can increase capacity, grow funding, and advance your nonprofit or freelance mission. Now, let's hand it over to your host, grants expert and author Holly Rustic, so you can increase your funding and drive impact. Hello, hello, hello. It's Holly Rustic here with Grant Writing and Funding, and welcome to the Grant Writing and Funding Podcast Show, where I help you grow capacity, increase funding, and to advance mission. All right, so we have a wonderful show in store for you today with Mr. Dolph Goldenberg, and he has a lot to talk about. You guys are really going to enjoy this episode today. He brings in a lot of knowledge and lessons learned as an executive director and now as a nonprofit consultant. So he has his own company and it's really an interesting show today because he really comes out and he talks about, you know, how he really overcame burnout as an executive director and he actually resigned as an executive director Um, and he kind of talks about that process. He talks about having a sabbatical and, and being able to identify Um, just some some things that he wanted to address and then, you know, taking some time off to reflect and then starting his consultancy. So it's a really, really awesome show for you guys today. He also talks about how his company is values-based and how that helps to attract the right type of clients. So we have a lot that we're going to talk about. We're even going to talk about why paying your nonprofit staff a living wage is vital to nonprofit health and why nonprofit attrition rates can be the funder's fault. So we talk a lot about different um, ways on how an executive director can really, you know, be mindful, not kind of face burnout, or if you are facing burnout, some things that you can do to address that. Um, And we're just a lot of great conversations, so great lessons learned from Dolph today. Um, And if you don't know who Dolph is, Dolph has a track record of guiding nonprofit organizations through strategic planning, board development, and leadership transitions. Before becoming a consultant, he was the executive director of Philadelphia's LGBTQ Community Center and served as executive director of Georgia's largest provider of HIV supportive housing provider. So really great experience. He has a ton of nonprofit experience. And even in addition, his clients include large nonprofits like Sheltering Arms and Hope Atlanta, and also small but mighty nonprofits like Georgia Lawyers for the Arts, the Transgender Legal Defense and Education Fund, and so many more. Dolph also holds a Master's of Public Administration and a Bachelor's of Social Work from Georgia State University. He's also a podcast host. So for those of you who are loving the podcast, your podcasters, um, you know, listeners, you'll definitely want to check out his podcast, which is called Successful Nonprofits. So definitely check it out there. And you can jump and go ahead to our show notes, grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash 221 to get all of the links too. So you can check out his podcast and some more details on how you can contact Dolph. So before we get started in today's um, interview, I just want to say a word from our sponsor. And of course, our sponsor is Grant Writing and Funding. Um, We have some great things for you. If you want to jump over and get some of our free resources on grant writing, on becoming a freelance grant writer, or just on nonprofit grant readiness, jump over to grantwritingandfunding.com and sign up for our free Hub Haven. You'll also get a weekly uh, newsletter from me where I give you a lot of great resources, uh, free trainings, curated resources, and so, so, so much more. 
All right, and we also have a great free training coming up in June on June 14th, 2022. So if you are thinking about or you already are a freelance grant writer or nonprofit consultant, you are definitely going to want to check out our free webinar that is completely live well, on Zoom. And that is how to identify 50 clients in one hour. So if you are looking for nonprofit leads, if you're trying to figure out how to get out there and how to get some, some leads, you are definitely, definitely gonna wanna sign up for this free training. And I will give you the link on grantwritingandfunding.com. You can just click on the top free training and you can see it there. Um, and if, of course, if you're listening to this past June 14th, um, just jump over and you'll see that's where we have our free trainings. So we'll have other things uh, posted there as well. All right, so let's go ahead and get into today's episode again. Once again, for all of the show notes, grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash 221. So really excited to have Mr. Dolph Goldenberg on the show today. Hi, Dolph. Hey, Holly. Thank you. It's good to see you again. Yes. Yeah. And I was just on your podcast, which side note here, actually not such a side note, because I totally wanted to like throw this out here is you are also a podcaster on successful nonprofits. And I'm so excited about that. Um, I came on your podcast a little while ago, so it's going to be really fun to have you on mine too. <laughs> you talk all about you know, really working with executive directors, board directors, people in nonprofits, and you have almost 300 episodes out there. So thank you for your service. <laughs> Yeah. Well, thank you. I imagine probably like you, the podcast is kind of a passion project. Like mm -hmm. I started it not thinking, oh, I'm going to commoditize this or it's going to bring me more clients. I was like, oh my gosh, I just, I want to be able to get great information out there. And also I want to, and this is one of the amazing things, by the way, about being a podcaster. I know you probably experienced this. I can read a book and if I like it, I can call up the author and get to talk to the author for 30 or 45 minutes. Yeah, that's amazing, isn't it? I, I love it. I remember when I first reached out to Dr. Beverly Browning, um, who wrote Grant Writing for Dummies, and which is millions of sold around the world. And I was like, and I had taken her class, oh gosh, back in 2007 online, her advanced uh, grant writing class. And so she was just like this epic, like kind of, you know, on this platform far away. But you send a LinkedIn message, like, hey, come on my show, please. <laughs> and then they do. And you're like, wow. And now we've developed course together and all this other stuff. It's just amazing. The friendships, right? That you can yeah. create. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I will share with you. I had a moment it was about 18 months ago when publishers started to send, and I love to read. I love, love to read. Yeah. Um, and so publishers started to send me books with little notes like, Hey, if you like this person, will you have them on the podcast? I, I thought I died and went to heaven. I was like, Oh my gosh, publishers are sending me books and I just have a little podcast. Wow. I love that. You're like, yes, please. Advanced reader copies. <laughs> yeah. And, and it is funny because they're stamped like do not sell. Like who would sell this book? It's, you know, it doesn't even have the, the, the real, the real cover on it. It's like, you know, literally it's not even been like sent to press yet. Like who would sell this book? Oh my gosh. That's so cool. Yeah. So if you guys are writing a book out there about nonprofit, the nonprofit <laughs> sector, or what are your other guilty pleasure reads? So admittedly, historical fiction, nice. which I know this makes me a nerd, historical fiction. Mm, no, that's good. I like it. Yeah. So also, if you guys are writing historical fiction, <laughs> does it have to be about the nonprofit genre? <laughs> Send it to Dolph. <laughs> I love exactly. that. Exactly. 
Yeah. And then dog, you have amazing experience. Not only, of course, you have a podcast, um, but your business is successful nonprofits as well. And you've been doing that since 2014 and you're an executive director for at least a dozen of years, right? So you've had a lot of experience in the nonprofit realm as an executive director and then building a business to serve those gaps maybe that you have found as an executive director. Can you kind of speak on that a little bit? I, I can, and I'll share with you. It's interesting. I, I, I first of all, thank you. You gave me credit for an extra year um, because oh, sorry. <laughs> because I I, I think I, incorpor- I I think I incorporated in 2014, but mm-hmm. in reality, um, I went on sabbatical in 2014, and wow. and the reason is I burned out as an executive director, and I burned out. Um, I did not see the signs of burnout. Um, mm-hmm. I, I I talk a lot about this publicly, but I did not see the signs of burnout. Mm-hmm. I became a toxic person. I was I was I was a terrible boss. I was um, a horrible spouse. I, I, and I say this a lot, like I'm lucky. I'm Frank and I have been together for 16 years. I'm lucky our relationship survived it, honestly. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and I got a wake up call and the wake up call, frankly, um, came from the staff who reported to me and they essentially were like, um, you, we can't work with you anymore. Wow. You're just, you're, 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 you're just, you're not a nice person anymore. And, and, you know, and, and I'll share with you, um, there were a lot of reasons for that. There were, I'll be frank and say, there were a whole lot of reasons for that. Um, I'd moved to a city where I really did not want to be. I, and it's funny, like looking back, I totally see this. Like I, I was clinically depressed. Uh-huh. I'd, I'd taken a, I'd t- taken a job with an organization that was probably not a good fit. I was probably not a good fit to be their executive director. And I did it in the middle of the great recession. And, uh-huh. and, and I, and I'll share with you, we grew by 25% in terms of our budget. And we also grew our footprint by 43%, geog- our geographic footprint. But the cost was too high. The, the cost was one that turned me into a toxic human being and a bad boss and made everyone's life who intersected with mine miserable. And so they came to me and they're like, this is, this is not workable anymore. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was, it was frankly, it was a wake-up call. It was, it was not a, it was not a pleasant wake-up call, but I, I eventually reached the point where I essentially, my, I looked at my contract, my contract said I had to give three months notice. So I, and, and I will also say I was not, I was again, not in a good place. I was toxic. So I was angry that any of this was happening. I'm like, ah, and so I go. How dare you? I've grown your ROI. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm like, I'm like, precisely. I'm like, how dare you? You know, I have, I have personally sacrificed, you know, I, you know, my, I, I, I feel like I'm, I don't know if I'm allowed to say hell on here or not, but you know, like, like I feel like I'm in hell every day because I'm pushing myself so hard and I'm pushing all the people around me, but we're growing and we're growing in a recession. Um, and, you know, people should be lucky that we should feel lucky that we're growing in a recession. So I was not in a good place again, mm-hmm. toxic human being. And so I essentially, um, um, sent, sent an angry message to my board chair. I was like, I'm giving you three months notice. I'm done. I don't know what comes after this. I'm done. And they, the board came back and asked me to give 18 months notice. And I was like, have you all, wow. have you all lost That's it? Yeah. I was like, have difference. you all, have you, yeah. I was like, have you all lost it? I've already told you I'm not in a good place. I'm not in a good place to, mm-hmm. to be a chief executive right now. Why, why would you ask me to give 18 months? And one, one of my big mistakes in that situation was they, they, we negotiated and eventually like we settled on 10 months. Oh, that was too long. long That was too, yeah. Three times as long as you're required to. Right. Yeah. And and I, yeah. And I'll share with you that 
that conversation was in 2013, which means I did not even step out of the door until 2014 because 10 months is a long time, a long especially time. when you're not happy. Yeah. It's a really long time. But so all that is to say 2014 was actually my sabbatical year. Mm -hmm. I, um, I, I, I'm very fortunate. I have a tremendous amount of privilege and, and that privilege allowed me while I would, while I was spending down, you know, savings and I will not retire now until I'm 72. Um, you know, that privilege allowed me yeah. to, to, you know, take time off. I took eight months off and I, I trekked, I trekked the world. I trekked, um, I, I trekked in Asia. I trekked in, in South America and the Andes. I saw I, that. Yeah. You've gone yeah. to like six. And I was like, oh my gosh, when, when did he do this? Now I know during your sabbatical during when right. coming back to yourself. Right. To right. And yeah. And, and, and that's exactly what happened. Like I, I, and by the way, I know, and I know this is not what we're going to talk about. So I apologize. No, but, um, mm -hmm. but, but like, th that's what happened. Like I rediscovered my humanity and my compassion and my soul and frankly, my compass. Yeah. You know, like, like I, I have a social work degree. I did not, I did not get into this world, um, into this business, into this nonprofit sector in, in order to be a bad boss, in order to make the world a worse place while trying to make it a better place. Like, mm -hmm. so literally like I, I spent, I spent eight months in 2014, just figuring out who I was and what I was going to do. And also what I was going to do differently so that I would not be that person again. And so for me, like part of what I did was I looked at my pain points. I was like, okay, what would cause me a lot of pain? My board um, strategy going awry. Um, and, uh, and then also just in general, the transition in as a new executive director, I was an executive director twice, as well as the transition out, um, yeah. that last time, the first time it was not painful. The first time was honestly a glorious transition out. Um, I, I, I on the way out the door, I raised tons of money for the organization. I felt great about everything I'd done, but mm -hmm. the transition out the second time was not good. And so executive transitions. And so uh, honestly, yeah. I kind of focus, I focus most of my work in those areas and also with some executive coaching because mm -hmm. my ultimate goal is to help organizations be successful to mm -hmm. help create successful nonprofits without the organization or the people involved having to be toxic or miserable and mm -hmm. so like that's like that's my north star that's my mission and you know and I, I thank you so much for sharing that and just being so honest here on the show because you know that's really i hear that so much is about burnout for executive directors. I've worked in nonprofits before. I've seen that. I, you know, I've seen other staff be burned out. I've seen just the pressure to have to raise money for your job. And, you know, I've just, it's time and time again, there's so much negativity in it. And yes, people come into it wanting to do something good much, much of the time, but then they get caught in that whole poverty mindset, that whole paycheck to paycheck kind of living that we don't have enough and we got to push, push, push. And oh, even if you're going to appreciate somebody for a volunteer appreciation lunch, you make them bring potluck, <laughs> make them work again. Like it's just the whole thing can be so it's good. And then, then it's like how it's set up internally can just fall on its face. So you are not alone in, in that. I'm sure, you know what I mean? Cause I've seen it firsthand. I've been burned out in nonprofits firsthand. So thank you for being honest about that. Cause I think what's hard is a lot of people just keep pushing. They don't listen to the people around them. They just keep going because they, they feel like they need to, or they just don't take that what you took, yeah, it might have been hard at first, but you still listen to it. Many people don't. They don't listen to the feedback. So can you kind of comment on that? Like how, if you're stuck in that not that burnout phase, how can you listen to that? How can you be like, you know what? 
maybe I am a toxic person right now. You know what I mean? Like, how can I separate that? How can I find my pain points again? How can I find my compass again? Can you, can you kind of speak to that a little bit? Well, I, I'll share with you. I missed, a, I missed the signs a lot. Mm -hmm. So, you know, so like, I'm sure there were multiple wake up calls that I just did not wake up to. <laughs> so, so I can't say that I'm an expert in figuring out how to notice the signs, honestly. Although I will say, I mean, I actively look for those signs now. And yes. so, and so like, I, I have a colleague in our consulting practice um, who I value, just really, really value greatly. And every now and then there'll be a moment of stress mm -hmm. and I'll, and I'll notice that I'm falling into, frankly, an old pattern and, yeah. and, and it will be happening while we're talking and I will stop and I will say, I'm sorry, that's old Dolph. And I just need a second. Mm -hmm. And, and it's true. Like that, like that Dolph, that Dolph is gone. And every now and then that, that Dolph tries to come back and, you know, I don't, I don't feed that Dolph. Mm -hmm. um, and so, and so like, like, yeah, th th there's real momentary joy sometimes in, in whether it's wallowing in the depths of despair or, you know, or, or using every ounce of power that you have in your position, but mm -hmm. it's momentary. And, and the devils that come after it are just bad, bad devils. <laughs> But now I, I like that you said, okay, now I'm set up to listen to it more. So for the, those executive directors or staff or nonprofit board of directors listening to this, it might feel like, you know what, I'm feeling a lot of tension and maybe, maybe some of it is me at <laughs> this point in time. And hopefully you can then look at those signs and also realize, you know what, we don't always have to operate in fear. A lot of that's fear-based, like we're not going to make enough money. We're not going to, you know what I mean? So we have to meet these things. This is a recession. Like I remember 2008, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that was a crazy time. Um, but, you know, to really think about how you can structure your nonprofit or your business so you get ahead of like what you call those devils, right? You get ahead of that. And I think what you've done with your company and what I've seen a lot of companies do and even nonprofits is now you're value-based. Has that been helpful to get ahead of that? So it has been in a lot of ways. The first is because we're value-based, we pretty much only work with organizations whose values align with ours. And what that also means is we actually get way more joy and satisfaction out of our work. Mm -hmm. But, but even when we're values, like, like even, even when the organization aligns with our values, we turn work down if we don't think we're a good fit. And that's yeah. one of the biggest things I learned. Um, in, you know, frankly, in that, in that executive director position where I burned out, I, I mean, I, I'll share with you. I, I went in for the initial interview, I actually flew, flew down for the initial interview um, for that job. And, flew back home and on the flight home, I was like, this isn't, this isn't the right position for me. This is not a good fit. And, and I, I call, I called up the board chair and I said, you know, I'm not, I'm not your person. And, you know, first mistake, first mistake, I allowed the board chair to convince me oh. that I was the right person. The, the board chair's like, oh, we're heartbroken. You're the top candidate. And you know, that, that fed my ego. Yeah. Ego, ego takes us to bad places. That yeah. <laughs> fed my ego. And, you know, and, and then, and then, and then she really sold me and she's like, you know, come down one more time. And, you know, we, we're going to convince you that you're the right person. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so, so one of the things I learned in that is if I think, if I think we're not the right fit, meaning if I don't think we can actually succeed while, while staying true to who we are and also um, having enjoyable relationships with, the clients we're working with, we say no. And yeah. sometimes, honestly, like there's one particular situation where um, a client got really upset, a prospective client, 
perspective client got really upset with us. And the reason is we, um, I, I, they asked to have a conversation. They were looking for a board development project. I love board work because as a consultant, I can be a hundred percent honest with the board. You yeah. know, I can, <laughs> I can tell them the unvarnished truth, which an executive director can't right. um, because the executive director gets evaluated by them. Yeah. Get, you know, they decide how much that person's going to make next mm-hmm. year. Uh, I can be totally upfront. So, so in my head, it was going to be with the chief executive and the two co-chairs. And it was the chief executive and four members of the senior leadership team. The co-chairs were nowhere to be seen. It's like, well, this is, you know, so the end of the conversation, this has been a great conversation. They said, well, can we get a proposal? I'm like, you know, no, because this is a board development project. I really need to be talking to your your co-chairs. And ideally, if you have a governance committee, your Mm -hmm. governance chair, they did not have a governance committee. So I'm like, okay, just your Mm co-chairs. And so they, okay, well, we'll we'll schedule it. And and by the way, the co-chairs were no-shows. Um, for that oh. meeting. Um, and so, and, and so then the second time around, one of the co-chairs was there. So it was the co-chair, the chief executive, the senior leadership team. And mm. it felt like this dog and pony show all over again. Like, you know, mm. okay, we're going to fly you down. We're going to convince you you're the right person. At the mm. end of the meeting, they're like, can we get a proposal? I'm like, well, I still need to meet your other chair. I just don't feel that there's a strong investment on the part of the board. Yeah. So we reschedule again. This time it's everybody. And I'm like, yeah, they're not committed. What they want, they want to be able to go to a funder and say, we did the board development project, check. That's yeah. what they want. They were not committed to changing. And so at the end of the meeting, I just had to say, I'm, I, I'm not the right person. They asked why. And I said, well, it's my sense that for whatever reason, you don't feel commit, committed to change. And if you're not committed to change, no, no matter how much we're going to make in this engagement, it's not worth your time and it's not worth our time. And so, you know, if you all think through this and you get a year or two down the road and you're interested and you're really committed, I'm happy, happy for us to have a conversation. Yeah. Or if you want names of other consultants, I'm happy to give you names of other consultants who would be, who would love the business, but it's just not me. I got an angry email from their executive oh, no. director. <laughs> I did. Holly, like it was, it was like, you know, like, 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 like you know, those flame emails where, you're, where you think to yourself, I'm going to snooze this for a day because yes. I don't know how to respond. Yes. Not even, I'm not going to yes. respond in an angry way. I don't know how to respond to this. Like, <laughs> like the, the email was, the email was, you know, you have wasted our time. You've done, and you know, it was everything I could do to not hit reply and be like, um, I don't get paid when we're in those meetings. Yeah. You're getting paid. It won't break yeah. those meetings. You've actually wasted my time. <laughs> and I love right. it was three every, times. <laughs> yeah. It was everything I could do. So I'm like, I'm gonna just snooze this. I'll think about it. And then I'll send, you know, I'll send a nice email and suggest some other consultants. Um, but but again, like I just I was blown away because it was, I just felt there was it was not a good fit. And so for me also, the way we work, even if our values are aligned, if mm-hmm. it's not a good fit, if we don't think that you that a, we're going to enjoy doing it and you're going to enjoy working with us and B, you're going to get the results you want. Like, mm-hmm. why? Why, you know, my, my joke is, and again, and I get this is coming from a place of privilege at this point in my life, but, you know, my joke is, you know, my couch is comfortable and, you know, and, and I could give up a vacation if mm-hmm. it means that I'm only doing work that I love. Yes, I love that. And, you know, I love that you you really do look at this and say, is it a good fit? And you learn that through that, that amazing gut check you had, and then we're still convinced. And then the three months turned into 10 months and, you know, like, and, and realizing why am I doing this? Like, why am I letting other people kind of rule me when I can listen to myself and tune in? And, and I think what I really like about your website is um, you guys have to visit the website, successfulnonprofits.com um, and check it out the manifesto, right? So I love your manifesto and I'm just going 
going to read a part of this because I think it's really, really cool. And I printed it out here. Um, but you talk about nonprofit organizations must find ways to break out of business as usual. The vast majority of nonprofit executives are treading water in a sea of emails and meaningless meetings. Continuing to exist is not a goal. The most successful nonprofits will invest fearlessly in their ability to change while carefully tracking the investment results. This includes paying competitive wages, investing in staff and volunteers, creating an infrastructure that enables staff leaders to spend more time on focusing on the future, fundraising successfully, and building a board that governs effectively. And then you wind up in the bottom here, and I love this part. We choose our clients very carefully and only partner with organizations when we can answer yes to the following questions. And then you have several questions there, such as alignment and et cetera, right, on how to really connect then and work with the right kind of people. And I think leading from that way as a business and just as, you know, and working with nonprofits is so important. So I just applaud you guys for having a manifesto that is so clear and that is saying, we want to help you. We do, but you need to also be on board with this. It's not a one-way street, right? So I appreciate well, well, that. Thank you. Yeah. And I'll share with you, but part of how I think this translates from me as a consultant to nonprofits is mm -hmm. I think nonprofits also have to decide what their values are. Yes. <clears throat> and, 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 and I'll be frank and say, I mean, again, like I've, I've made my, like most people's careers, you know, my career is littered with success, but also with bizarre decisions that were not the right decision. Yeah. Um, like, like you, you've seen my ironic biography mm -hmm, uh, or, yeah. my, or my ironic bio. And, and for me, I hate those bios where the person swung from success to success. And, yeah. you know, it was once again at the height of their success. No, we've all failed. We've all, yeah. we've all made bad decisions. And one of the things that I used to do early on as an executive director, um, one of the things that, and when I say early on, I'm talking like almost 20 years ago now, I, I used to ask myself, what is, what is the least amount when we you know, what is the least amount we could pay for this position? Mm. And so, you know, so 20 years ago, I, I frankly was guilty of not, not following the values that I really believe in, which is mm -hmm. everyone should be able to live a decent life. Everyone should be able to live a decent life. And, yeah. and so that means everyone has to be paid a fair wage. But, but the, the reason I say that I think this, this then ties over to nonprofits is that's the conversation that nonprofits need to be having with their funders and their grantors. Yes. So, you know, yeah. so, so, okay, how, as an example, you know, and, and each region is different because cost of living is different in all parts of the country. But yeah. as an example, as an organization, you might say you have a $22 an hour wage floor. And, and I know some nonprofits are like $22 an hour. That's a lot. Well, let me say Costco has an $18 an hour wage floor. And while people work hard at Costco, mm -hmm. you know, the mission is profit. The mission isn't saving youth, saving puppies, building community. The mission at Costco is profit. And, and so, you know, so I just threw $22 an hour, an hour out there, but keep in mind, Costco will pay your people $18 an hour. Um, mm -hmm. but, you know, but, but so if you were to say, okay, we have a $22 an hour wage floor. And so if an entry level person, you know, who, this is their first, their first professional level job making $22 an hour, then you, you can't pay a manager. Cause then that's about $45,000 a year. Yeah. So, you know, so, you know, then you can't pay a manager 50. No, then a manager has got to be making 55 or 60, but we need to be having those conversations with our funders and just being honest and saying, Hey, you know, if you want quality staff, if you want low attrition, cause you, you know how funders pound on us, your attrition's too high, your attrition's yeah, yeah. too high, your attrition. Yeah. Your attrition's at 35%. And, you know, we should look up at the funder and say, yeah, it's because 
you make us pay our staff so little, or let me rephrase that. We accept, we accept that you yeah. have us pay our staff so little yeah. that, you know, when they get a dollar an hour offer more somewhere else, they leave. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes, like you said, it's that how low can we go? And I see this a lot with grants where even if it's, um, say, it's a federal grant and I've been a grant reviewer a lot and, you know, and looking at it saying they're not asking for a much, they're going to have high turnover rate. This is not a sustainable project. I don't, I don't think this should be funded. I will say that. <laughs> I mean, mm -hmm. so sometimes it's tried the nonprofit is trying to underbid, thinking it's going to be in their benefit and they're going to get brownie points if they don't ask for enough. And mm -hmm. that, you yeah. know, it's the mentality, I think, a lot of the nonprofit sector, which, you know, we're, we're helping to change because that's you can't operate in burnout. You can't operate in living paycheck to paycheck and still have this amazing mission where you're trying to change the world. You will get burned out and that's not going to help your mission. Right. So. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And I'll share with you, you know, I, I do a lot of interim executive director engagements. And one of the things I almost always do, obviously, I, I first month, I take a real close look at the financials. I also look at all the grants. And this has happened twice now, once with big money, once with not such big money. Um, but so this has happened twice where at one organization, I had to call up a funder that had provided a $250,000 grant. And I had to say, you know, I'm looking at our grant agreement and I'm looking at the original proposal. And it appears to me that we promised to do about a million dollars of services for a quarter million dollars. And is there any way we can renegotiate this? Because I just, I don't get how we can do that. Yeah. And the funder actually laughed and said, well, you know, we like you all. And we, when we read the proposal from the organization, we thought, yeah, you know, they're, they don't understand what they can actually do with a quarter million dollars. I'm like, oh, good. So we can, we can renegotiate this, right? <laughs> And, and they're like, yes, we would rather you renegotiate yes. and be realistic. Yeah. I'm like, okay, great. Now let's talk about it. And I'll share with you, it also happened um, with another organization, but it was, again, lower numbers, but a higher ratio. So uh, um, it was, it was a, yeah. So, so it was like a $5,000 grant. And the organization, like when I looked at all of the deliverables, I was like, yeah. this is, I was like, this is a full-time person for a year. This is a 50,000, this is $50,000 of deliverables for $5,000. And let me say, there was not already the person doing that work in this organization. Oh, no. So, uh, yeah. So again, you know, I, I had to call the organization, I had to call the funder up and say, mm -hmm. I, I feel really bad about this, but I'm looking and we've promised you $50,000 of work for $5,000. And, you know, what we're not going to do is, is break this up and farm it out to 10 staff members. Cause then we're going to stress out 10 staff yes. members. So, mm -hmm. you know, I was like, so what are our options? Can we renegotiate? Can we send you the $5,000 back? And, and the quarter million, I did not start by saying, can we send you the, no. quarter million? <laughs> the five is only five. Right. Yeah, yeah. And so the funder was like, whoa, 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 whoa. You don't need to send us the money back. Let's talk about oh, good. what yeah, you can do for do five. <laughs> But, 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 you know, but once again, like then we, then we had a conversation and I think that's what's so critical. It's like, you know, we had a conversation about what, what would be a, what would be fair in terms of deliverables. Mm -hmm. I'll share with you that organization. We probably ended up doing about $10,000 of deliverables for $5,000, but, but we ended up with a better relationship with them. Yeah. And, and, and I, and again, like yeah, it was someone else's decision to accept the grant, but I'm certainly willing to provide $10,000 of deliverables for $5,000 once, yeah. one time. Like yeah. I'm not gonna do it every time, but once to save the relationship, I will. Yeah, and I, I love that perspective because I see that all the time. It's how can we get, ask, 
you know, for this amount and then deliver promise like a million times that or five times that or three times that or whatever, you know what I mean? And it's like, that's not really the intention of funding sources either is that you have to increase ROI tremendously on the money that we give you. That's really not what it's about. They're saying we have a priority and you align with this priority, but you're going to be boots on the ground doing it. You know what I mean? When we want to give you the mm -hmm. money to do it. So it's an interesting kind of concept, you know, when, when, when nonprofits are looking at grants or certain types of funding sources and they're thinking that, so what, do you know why, like, I would love to get your perspective on why, you know, especially as an executive director that you may think you have to do that. So, I mean, honestly, my sense is, and this was true for me too, um, you know, while, while I have a strong, I had a strong fundraising background before I became an executive director, my degree was in social work. So, you know, I, I didn't take any finance classes mm -hmm. in school. I didn't take it. Well, that's not true. I went back to grad school and I've taken some finance, but, you know, but an undergrad, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and I went from undergrad to the workforce. So, mm -hmm. you know, so I, I wasn't, I was a, a, a fundraiser, um, not having taken any finance classes, not having taken any classes on negotiation. I mean, like, you know, if you, if you needed to role play a family situation, I was your person, but if you <laughs> needed to role play how to negotiate a million dollar grant with a funder, I was not your person. Like, you know, so, so all of those are learned skills, but mm -hmm. they're also skills that we're often uncomfortable with. Yes. So the, the other thing I'll say, you know, one of the reasons I went to social work school is because I really wanted to live in a world where there was not a lot of conflict, you know, a world where I did not feel like, oh, I might experience conflict from this. Mm -hmm. By the way, it turns out social work is a bad thing to get your degree in if that's the way you feel. Just <laughs> FYI, if anyone's thinking about going to social work school, um, don't do it because you want to avoid conflict. You're going to end up dealing with a lot of conflict. <laughs> All the time. <laughs> but, but, you know, but, but I will say that, um, that I had to learn those skills. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I also had to place myself in an uncomfortable position multiple times before I got comfortable with it. So sometimes it's almost easier emotionally to say, and by the way, this happens all the time. We ask for 50,000, they give us 25,000 and we don't go back and say, okay, we can wow. accept your grant, but we need to cut our deliverables in half. We can't commit a, a Line one off. FTE, <laughs> right? It's like, you know, like, okay, we got to take this out, this out and this out. Um, and you still have to pay for a piece of our audit and you still have to pay for a piece of our rent and all of our overhead, et cetera. Um, we don't go back and do that because we're afraid. We're afraid that they're going to tell us no or that it might create some conflict. That they might say, what? We offered you 25,000 and you, you, you're, you're trying to negotiate it. You're greedy. Like we're, we're afraid of what's going to happen because we're not used to being in that place. We accept it. Like you were saying earlier, we accept that without even bringing it to the table and having a conversation. And I always tell people those program officers, once you have that, you know, once you're into those negotiations and you have your contract signed, those should be your best friends. It's like mm -hmm. BFF on speed dial. You know what I mean? Like that is a relationship. It's grants funding all about relationships. So yeah, don't be scared to go and ask. And, and that's the thing. And then we, we get bitter. Oh, yeah. I got to do all this. And they're only giving me this much money. Right. So right, right. have the conversation. Right. right. And, and I'll share with you. And I, I actually did this as a permanent executive director um, where I, um, I fired a government funder. Mm-hmm. And oh, they were giving, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so they, they were giving us about $25,000 a year. Mm -hmm. And, and to put it in perspective, we also had another, and, and this was like a County funder. We also had a federal funder that was giving us 2.5 million a year. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And the county that was giving us $25,000 a year wanted more in reporting than we had to provide for the 2.5 million. Like literally, we were probably spending $20,000 on a year on meetings, like, you know, time I would spend in meetings with the county and time they would be like, okay, we want three reps on this committee and that. And then they wanted, again, just reams of paperwork mm-hmm. um, that the federal funder would not was not requiring for for a grant that was a hundred times its size. And so when it came up for renewal, I actually called the county up and and I had to say, you know, I'm just looking at this and I don't think this makes sense for us. They were sort of surprised. They were genuinely surprised. And, you know, they, they're like, well, what about it does not make sense. And I'm like, well, first of all, here, here's the non-program related time you're requiring. Mm -hmm. And based Mm -hmm. on that, we, we we're actually losing money. Like, like mm-hmm. we're, we're having to shovel unrestricted funds to cover my time, other leadership members' time, um, because you want 90% of the money to go to the program. So if, mm-hmm. if you're okay with us applying and we, we put $5,000 toward the program and $20,000 to admin, okay, we will consider reapplying. But even then, you know, there's an opportunity cost for leadership yes. time. And so it might not be worthwhile even then. They were pretty, they were pretty much like, yeah, don't apply. We're good. Don't apply. And I'm, I'm okay with that. Yeah. I'm hundred because, because I'll share with you. It also changed the power dynamic because yeah. then, because then when the grant had ended and it was their new grant year, they reached out and like, could you participate in this committee? It changed the power dynamic. It was no longer a command performance. You yeah. will participate in this committee. It was, can you? And then we were able to say, well, we can, but here's the parameters under which we can participate. It won't look like the way we used to. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And here's here's what we're expecting to get out of that participation. That's oh, not financial, but here's what right. we're expecting. So it also really it changed the dynamic with us in the county. Oh yeah, no, that's really powerful. Thank you for sharing that. I know that people are just writing notes right now because <laughs> that is a hard place to be, and it's where a lot of nonprofits just accept. Once again, I love that you work that you that use that word because. It's to say, okay, well, we're getting this and then they don't look at it. So this is going to be a great segue into our strategic planning as well, because if you're not looking at opportunity costs, like you're talking about, you're not looking at what is the actual time that all of the number of staff have to do these different things, right? You actually had to break it down and look at it and then said, hey, you know what, we're actually wasting money. We're wasting skills. We're, you know, not skills maybe, but time. And we're not able to focus on these other larger grants or other programs, you know, and we can, so that's, that's a huge thing that a lot of nonprofits don't sit down and analyze. Is that part of what you do in strategic planning as well? Do you kind of break those down? It is. It absolutely is. Although I I'll just share one thing with you that I kind yeah. of observe about, about the situation we were in there. Mm-hmm. So if I, if I went to a major donor and they asked me, oh, what'd you do with my money? I said, oh, look, we produced all these reports for the county. The major donor would have been angry, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so, and so I'll share with you oftentimes with strategic planning, where we start are the stakeholders. So it's mm-hmm. like any good strategic planning project involves an environmental scan. And the way Lexi and I do it, um, we, we, you know, we help the organization form a work group and then the work group conducts, frankly, normally about 60 to hundred stakeholder interviews. And so obviously funders are in there, major donors are in there, but so are organizational partners. So are civic leaders. Um, you know, so, you know, so are some of your staff. We also, by the way, recommend doing focus groups with staff and clients as well as interviews with clients. But, you know, but again, like what you want is this broad stakeholder, everyone who touches your organization, but your funders need to be a part of those, those environment that the environmental scan interviews, because then you're asking the funder, Hey, you know, what's our best kept secret? 
hey, is there a program that we should start or is there a program we should stop? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and for me, one of the most powerful questions that we have in, um, in, our, in our strategic planning stakeholder interview template is the question, it's always, it's typically the second or last question. And, and it is, what do you see your role with this organization in a year? And mm-hmm. how do you see your role in five years? And I'll share with you, it's different on each group of stakeholders. For board members, you're kind of asking, okay, do you think you're going to be on the board in a year? Do you think you could be on the board in five years? Um, true, true story. We worked with an organization two years ago mm-hmm. where 80% of the board told us, yeah, I'm not going to be on the board next year. No one had voiced that. No one had voiced that. Yeah. So part of the strategic plan was, oh, you need to prepare for seismic change of your board. We need to work on some succession planning. Right. Exactly. But like now, like you got to do that now. Um, But then, but then I'll also share with you um, with funders. It's not at all unusual then for a funder, by the way, to say things that they've never said before when you ask that question. And so sometimes funders will say, well, you know, we're we're in our own strategic planning process and we anticipate our priorities are going to be different in 18 months. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, we should know that, shouldn't we? we? As we go into planning, we should know that your priorities are going to be different and we might not be fundable anymore. Yep. Um, the other thing that sometimes happens is, oh, you know, we're shifting our priorities and we're doubling down in these areas where we might be interested in funding you. It's yeah. really good to know that as well. Right. I, I, as well as, you know, to get your funder sense of, what is, you, what is your mission? What do you actually do? What are you good at? Where are your weaknesses? To get all of that from your funders. And, and one of the things I learned um, as a major gift, doing major gifts in fundraising, um, I, again, I, I've, I've learned everything through the, the litter of mistakes, the trail mm-hmm. of mistakes that are, that are behind me. We all have. But, <laughs> yes. I mean, I'm really clear. Like, like I, I want to be clear. I don't know it all. I, I just know what I messed up. Um, I know what I messed up, but, but I, I always remember, stick with you, too. <laughs> you learn a lot through them. So, yep. Good to learn. That, that, that one of the first major gifts that I was responsible for cultivating and asking for, mm-hmm. um, um, I did not do the cultivation right. And I know that I did not do the cultivation right, because when it came time for me to ask the donor, I was not even asking for that much. I think I was asking for like $25,000. And this is someone who was worth probably 50 to 75 million. So you so saw it's not, you know, if yeah. you're worth that kind of money, 25,000 is pocket change. Like, you know, like, you know, that falls out of your pocket when you pull your hanky out, if you're worth that kind of money. <laughs> um, and so, and, and so, so I asked for 25,000 and he looks at me and he said, I'm not going to give you anything. Wow. And he's like, he's like, I support your organization and I like what you do. But this is, and and he also was was in his mid to late sixties, and he and I think he sort of viewed it as a teachable moment for me. Mm-hmm. And he said, he said, "Here's the issue: you've brought this to me after it's already complete. So essentially, you got on a plane, you took off, and you're about to land the plane, and you're wondering why I'm not on it." Oh, I like that. Like, yeah, a teachable moment. Yeah. Yeah. And, and part of what it taught me is in strategic planning, when you're in the very initial phases of doing that environmental scan, yeah, you got to be having conversations with your funders because, because even if your plan ends up exactly in the direction your funders want, they're not going to be on the plane when it lands. And in that case, you know, that's just your plan is final, your board is approved, and you're sending it to funders. And they're like, what? You're doing strategic planning and you didn't talk to us? Yes, that's so important. And I, I see that a lot. They don't, a lot of nonprofits do not reach out 
to their funding sources and ask questions and have them a part of that strategic planning. So that's yeah. such a good lesson. And I love the way, yeah, you're going to ask me now that we're landing. <laughs> where, yeah. where, where are they? <laughs> where do he I wants to. I, I wish I could say his name. He, he passed away a long, long time ago. I can't say his name. I wish I could, but he was honestly, he was, he was a, he was a good guy. He, he was mm-hmm. what's known as a mensch. Like he was just a really good guy. Yeah. Um, and, and I, and, 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 and I'm sure what he probably then did, he probably turned around and, you know, walked into the development director's office and said, Hey, by the way, here's a check for 25,000. I never knew he did that if he did it, but it's probably what he did, but he just had to make that point. I'm like, yeah, no, you know, yeah. this, yeah. this is not the way it should happen. Um, but the other thing that I will that I also strongly suggest in the environmental scan is we're, as we're brainstorming stakeholders, are there some former funders you should talk to? And mm-hmm. you know, keep in mind that a, a, a funder, and this could be a major donor or, or a grant funder, you know, they, they might be a former funder because they changed their priorities. They might be a former funder because they, they don't like you anymore. Yeah. But their input's really valuable. Either way, their input's really valuable. As a former funder, they are much, much more likely, again, to give you that unvarnished truth because, you know, they're, they're not a current funder. So they're not worried out, you know, you know, is this going to impact how you approach this again? No, they're, they're probably not on the table. So definitely talk to your former funders too. The other thing that happens is all funders in most sectors talk to each other. And so, you know, so like if it, you know, if it's, you know, if it's, um, you know, let's see, you know, it's like if it's a funder that funds youth services, there's, you know, in any major metropolitan area, there's probably a, uh, like a, a youth services funder group and mm-hmm. they all gather once a quarter and they talk to each other. And so, you know, you, you want to make sure you've touched bases with your former funders too. So they, so when everyone's talking about your strategic planning project, they're not like, wait, we, we used to give them a million dollars a year. And just because we don't give them anything anymore, they don't yeah. care. Yeah. 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 We're thinking about funding them next year, but I hmm, guess they don't need our, yeah. right. No, I love that so much, like inviting that. So in, in as far as the strategic planning, like you start with the environmental scan and then like, what is, you know, some of the next things that people should know how that plan can support their nonprofit. Yeah. And, and, and I'll show you that. I mean, typically like you go from the environmental scan and then you work through, you revisit and potentially revise your mission and your vision and your values and using that, um, we, we have a, we have something we call a big bowl goal, and mm-hmm. and there's a there's a four way test for a big bowl goal. Um, and so just just real quick, um, it's got to feel impossible when you first say it. It has to be inspirational. Um, so if so if the hair on your head or your arms does not stand up, then it's not a big bowl goal. You can't do it by doing more of the same. So if you just grow by five percent or even fifty percent every year you're still not going to achieve the big bowl goal. And the last is it's got to be objectively measurable. And, and I always manage expectations when we talk about the big bowl goal, because it could take you 30 years to achieve a big bowl goal. In fact, it probably will. It'll probably take decades, 30, 40, 50 years to achieve it. Um, an example I love to give is um, Kaboom has a big bowl goal of um, a playground and walking distance of every child. Oh, nice. That's a big bowl goal. Yeah. And, you know, and you know, the interesting thing is there's probably a playground and walking distance of 60% of the, of the kids, mm-hmm. you know, but the last 10%, that's going to mm-hmm. be the, 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 that's going to be, that's what's going to take decades. Yeah. That's what's going to take decades. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah. to me, like, that's a great big, another really good big bull goal is um, polio, uh, sorry, which is uh, rotary to eradicate mm-hmm. polio from the face of the earth. They've been working on that since the 1980s. It's now only in two countries. In our lifetime, polio will be gone. There, there's less than a dozen cases every year. Um, so in our lifetime, no one will ever get polio again at some point in our lifetime. But that was a big bowl goal. So, mm-hmm. so then typically some sort of a big bowl goal 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and, and then after that, that, that's when you start to think, okay, you know, what, what are our program goals? What are our organizational goals? So what are our three-year goals? Mm-hmm. What strategies and tactics are we going to use to get us there? And to me, this is where, again, the grant piece comes in and the funding piece comes in because we start to talk about strategies and tactics for every tactic, there must be an identified funder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm going to say it again, because it's that important. So if you're jogging, stop jogging and just Mm -hmm. please listen for every tactic, there must be an identified funder as nonprofits. We have to quit doing stuff for free. It's why we underpay our staff. It's why we are overworked, overwhelmed and underpaid. Mm -hmm. All right. I'm off my soapbox. I'm sorry. (laughs) No, I love it because it is so important, right? It's like, if you don't have those, if you're saying, okay, well, we're going to say, build that playground. Where's the money, right? Where's the funder for that? So if you're going to build one in X County, then where is that funder for that? So if you don't identify that when you're laying out those plans, how are you going to have any direction in getting there? It's just going to be right. like a list, right? So, and like you said, or it's going to be like a bunch of volunteers coming together and trying to get it done. And you know, the whole thing that we talked about before. So I, yeah. I love that because it is, you have to make it logical, right? So this is so good. Like all of these steps that you've kind of walked us through today, as far as like your own personal journey and how that's helped you develop your business. Um, and then how you run your business to help other people avoid pretty much what you went through, right? And to say, you know what, you don't have to go there or you can come out of it and you can still reach your mission because it comes back to that social work part of you as well to say, we still want to, this is what we want to do, but there's a better way to do it. And this is how we, I can help you. So you, your organization, Successful Nonprofits, um, you do a lot of board training, strategic planning, um, and you do it customizable for a different organization. So people can definitely, they can find you at SuccessfulNonprofits.com, right? Uh, so that's where they can reach you. Is that where you like? Absolutely. Definitely. So SuccessfulNonprofits.com. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn. I'm the easiest person in the world to find on LinkedIn because there's only one Dolph Goldenberg in the world. So I'm like, <laughs> I'm like Tigger. There's only one. <laughs> there's only one. So I'll definitely leave that in the show notes as well. So people can contact you and, and definitely, you know, listen to your podcast too, because you have a lot of great uh, information on your podcast. Like you mentioned, you're in, you know, uh, getting up in your two hundreds as well. So, I mean, just really good to see all of the content that you put out there for people. Um, I really appreciate just this honest conversation today and for you sharing some of these golden nuggets with people who I know are just, they're writing these notes down. They're going to come back to this podcast and listen to it because it's as full of so many good things. So thank you, Dolph, so much. Did you want to add anything else before uh, we close out today? So I, I just want to say thank you so much. It's always a joy to see you. I appreciate being on your podcast. And um, I also, I love any podcast, whether whether I'm the one podcasting or on someone else's where we're all smiling, like yes. that's, that's the way to do it. That's the way to do it. Awesome. Well, thank you again, Dolph Goldenberg, once again, for coming on the show today. Um, and we will definitely have you back on because we want you to come back on to talk about more things about executive directors and how they should look at grants. We touched on a lot of that today, um, but in more depth, I really wanted to focus on that as well. So we'll have you back on, but for you guys, just go ahead and jump over to successfulnonprofits.com and check out all the show notes for all of the links for Dolph and all of the things that you're doing. So thank you again for coming on the show. Thank you. 
I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode today with Dolph Goldenberg. He had a lot of great points that I hope that you guys integrate into your nonprofit work um, and just really get all the benefits of that. Once again, for all of today's show notes, please jump over to grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash 221. And as always, if you love this podcast, please do me a favor, leave a review on iTunes or on your podcast player. I love reading all of the different reviews as it really does help other people find the podcast as well. And I'd like to see what you guys really think of the podcast and how you're enjoying it. All right, guys, I'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.